The World Health Organization has lost contact with humanitarian workers at Al Shifa Hospital. Well, joining us now from Geneva is Dr. Margaret Harris from the WHO. Hello, Margaret. Hello, it's nice to be with you. Have you any update? Have you managed to get through to anyone who is at the hospital? Yes, we have on and off. I mean, it's extremely difficult because the communications systems are, are, you know, just dropping all the time, getting worse and worse, again, due to lack of fuel, down to lack of power. Uh, but what we have been told is we were told that the 34, that 34 of the premature babies are still alive. That means five have died because they're originally 39. Um, there are 80, they managed to bury 82 bodies. They've got bodies all around in the hospital and they haven't been able to bury because of the fighting and because of the attacks on the hospital. They've got another 80 that are just lying there that remain unburied. Um, There are some kidney patients who are in kidney failure and desperately need hemodialysis. They managed to do that for two hours. I'm not quite sure how they managed to do it. I think it must have been on backup battery supply. They've got no central oxygen water or fuel, the, you know, the, the medical staff are starving. And there are a lot of people still in there. There are 633 patients, 116 doctors, but a total staff of 500, including the nurses, the administrative staff, the hygienists. And um, there's an estimation that there are around 3,000 people who are sheltering there as well, but a lot of them left, so it might be less. Um, and it's desperate. It sounds exactly that, Margaret, desperate. The Israeli Defence Force is saying, though, that there is Hamas in that building and they want to find the militants. What would you say in response to that? So uh, what we've said all along, um, that, and, you know, I'm not there to verify any claims made by either side, but a hospital is defined as a safe haven. It's defined as a safe place, and and international humanitarian law is very, very clear on that. And it was one of the first sort of agreements by the world, and one of the scary things is the world seems to have forgotten that. We're seeing increasing attacks on hospitals. But the the principle is is healthcare facilities should not be attacked or used to commit acts harmful to the enemy. But even if they're used for military purposes, and, and as, as I said, we've got no, we've had no independent verification of any claims by any of the sides of this. But even if they're used for military purposes, healthcare facilities are never without protection. So you can't just say, oh, we think there are some bad guys in there so we can do what we like. That's not how it works. Um, and uh, they, the reason for this is, Everybody needs healthcare. It doesn't matter who you are or what your, you know, affiliations. Healthcare should be there to save lives. That's it. Does the WHO have a policy on this, Margaret? If your um, workers or affiliates are aware that there is something going on at the hospital other than medical care, i.e. that there are people hiding weapons, what is the policy? Do you say anything? Do you tell anyone? So we don't allow weapons and so on and so forth. There are very clear policies about that. Um, uh, for instance, our, you know, M- uh, uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, who we work with at all, cannot even have armed escorts because they will not have weapons anywhere near healthcare. And they, this is clear. Healthcare is sacrosanct. You do not use it for military purposes. But just because you suspect something might be going on, that doesn't mean that you can make it a target either.
Yeah, people don't always play by the rules, do they, Margaret? So if they became aware of a situation where this was going on, is there any moral obligation to report that to anyone? Again, if if there was verification, that's an attack on healthcare. And we, as WHO, would list that as an attack on healthcare. Using it for military purposes is an attack on healthcare. Understand. Living conditions are deteriorating rapidly in Gaza. Um, and so there are secondary killers that are, are lurking, aren't there, in terms of diseases. What can you tell us about that? Oh, we've already documented huge outbreaks of diarrhoea that normally we would expect to see around 2,000 cases in a month. And just in the last couple of weeks, we've we've seen at least 35, 40,000 cases. Now, our ability to document anything at the moment is is really, really limited by the very poor communication, by the chaos in Gaza. I mean, the ministry has not reported any of the deaths or the casual or the injured people for the last four days because they simply can't get the information from the hospitals because, you know, the horrible thing is you count deaths by who's in the morgues Well, the hospitals are closed. Um, you know, three quarters are closed, not functioning at all. So the dead are just lying where they die. Um, and likewise, the injured can't get to hospital to be counted or treated. So, um, but as far as the outbreaks are concerned, yes, we've got this huge rise in, in diarrhea, uh, a huge rise in respiratory infections, but we've also got a non-functioning sewerage system because there is no power. So the basic needs for keeping a functioning society, a healthy functioning society, have been completely cut off. Um, and so now we've got the torrential rains that have started uh, as of a day ago, pouring water through the streets, a non-functioning sewage system, and a lot of the displaced people haven't got shelter. They're actually sleeping in the streets under pouring rain. So you've got all the elements for health catastrophe, which we've already got, but now this is a a doubling of, of, of the disaster. Um, Margaret, Israel uh, spokespeople are saying that they have given or offered to give incubators that don't need power to the hospital as well as other supplies. Has that happened? Not that we've been given. We've not heard that from um, the hospital people. Uh, so, you know, and, and the point is they need power. You know, that it's, it's great that help has been offered, but the help that is needed is to lift the embargo on bringing the fuel to the hospitals and, and lift the, the, the siege and the attacks on hospitals. They, they, you know, we need a, a cessation of hostilities so that we can actually go and help those millions of people who are in this most horrific, desperate situation. As a health organisation, I'm wondering, has any overtures been made in order to see the hostages and assess their um, their health and wellness? Yes, we are working very hard to try to get... Uh, it's extremely important to us, and it's one of our, our number one asks, is get those hostages free and also ensure that they get medical care. We don't know about their medical status. You know, we hear all kinds of... Uh, we know that there is very, very young and the very old among them, people who definitely need medical care. We we are pushing at all levels to get help to them and to get them freed. Thank you for your time again. That is Dr. Margaret Harris, who is um, talking to us live there from Geneva, and she's from the WHO.